Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. First Breakfast Club guest of the day is in... Tay Chong joins us now. You might remember him from the Chamber Breakfast last week. He's business counselor for Coastal Enterprises Incorporated called Start Smart. Tay, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Thanks for getting up here so early and rolling through. Well, let's let's talk a little. How did this whole thing start? Uh, how did uh, Start Smart and all that? What? How did this? Uh, how did this come about? Oh, Start Smart is a program uh, with CEI, and uh, CEI has a lot of different financial programs. But what Start Smart does is it helps immigrants and refugees start businesses in Maine. And so we've been around for about 17 years. The program Start Smart, CEI has been around for about 40 years. And so in the 17 years that Start Smart's been around, we've helped about 1,300 immigrants start businesses in Maine. About 130 businesses got um, financing or loans from CEI, and we've helped to start about 300 businesses in the state of Maine. And I think in Lewiston, you can see that. Um, it's evidenced on Lisbon Street. As you're driving down, you can see a lot of uh, Somali and African halal grocery stores and restaurants, um, among other businesses that are in, in, uh, in the Lewiston area. But that's also true for Portland and other main streets throughout bigger cities in Maine. Can you tell me why Maine needs to embrace multiculturalism for folks who might be wondering why we should be embracing multiculturalism? <laughs> sure. Um, well, we need to embrace multiculturalism for a lot of different reasons. The biggest reason, I think, for Maine is um, we're losing people. Um, you know, we're the oldest state in the nation. Our median age is over 44. It's 44.2. It's the oldest in the country. We're one of two states in the entire country. We have more deaths than births. So we're not replacing the people that we're losing. And the big scary fact that nobody's really talking about is, every, is that um, in the next 20 years, we have 400,000 people between the ages of 45 and 64, and we only have 300,000 people between the ages of 18 and, and 44. So you know, just imagine what it's like to run a business with 100,000 fewer skilled people um, 20 years from now. And so we need people. And the, and the reality is this nation is multicultural. Um, you know, the, the minority ethnic minority populations, the United States, um, has grown five times since 1970. So it's now up to about 135 million people. And that multicultural population is, is the future of the U.S. 50% of all the kids in the United States that are here right now under the age of five are multicultural. 40% of all the millennials, the biggest and most important population, they just surpassed the baby boom population, is as 40% of them are multicultural. So Maine needs multicultural people to move to Maine, not simply to replace the skilled workers, but be able to connect with those people to do business with them down the road. Tay Chong is a business counselor for CEI's Start Smart program. We'll have more with him coming up. Talk about multiculturalism, emerging markets, emerging workforces, and more. Lauren Lindsay joins us as part of our LA's Got Talent series next hour. It's 713 and 19 degrees. You're listening to The Breakfast Club on Z1055. The news continues now on the area's only local radio station. The-
listen to The Breakfast Club on a Monday morning. Tay Chong is in from CEI's Start Smart. Talk about multiculturalism, emerging markets, emerging workforce. Yeah, we talked about why Maine needs to embrace multiculturalism uh, a little bit in in the last segment. Let's talk about a little bit what multiculturalism is and kind of maybe put that in some context that folks can kind of click on to a little bit. Sure, Matt. Um, So multiculturalism is, is, well, in the United States, multiculturalism really means just the, 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 the large groups of races that we have in the U.S. And with that, you've got different lifestyles. And so you and I are sports fans. We were just talking about the Red Sox Yankees. I'm a, I'm a Red Sox fan, and Matt's a, a known Yankees fan, I guess. Yeah, yeah no, uh, it, it is a known. Yeah, you didn't. Out I, I didn't want to like out that. you because yeah. it's kind of dangerous around. It here, really, but, it can yeah. be. But so far, I've I've, I've built up enough cash where I, uh, that nobody's really like outside of the typical stuff that I get. It's it's not too bad. <laughs> you know, I'm fine. Well, so so if you embrace multiculturalism and and you think about, well, how does that become an economic benefit for anybody? So for me, as, as a Red Sox fan, the only Hispanic player I knew growing up was Louis Tion back in the <laughs> 70s, right? Right, it's true. But now, you know, and the thing is, you know, Boston was known for not being welcoming and embracing. And, um, you know, I remember going to a Red Sox game in Fenway and seeing T-shirts that said Dirty Jose, which is awful, Right. But now the most beloved, probably the most beloved baseball player in Red Sox history is Big Poppy. Mm-hmm. And you think about the ticket sales, and it's and Red Sox is now an international brand. But you know, have to give credit to the Yankees. The Yankees were really the first ones to kind of start that whole international player uh, multiculturalism. Where if you go to a, a game, and if you have to go see a game, if you must, you know, in the Bronx or Brooklyn, wherever it is. <laughs> Um, it's, it's in the Bronx. It's a beautiful place. You yeah, should go. It's yeah, nice. if you have to go, yeah, if you have to, yeah. you know, someone gives you free tickets and money, <laughs> and they make you go. You'll see that the game is truly international. Um, there's people from around the world. There are people playing, you know, uh, trumpets and ba- you know they're banging drums and there's music and singing, and and the Yankees, you know, is an international brand. It's and it's not surprising that. Their spending and purchasing power, or their economic net worth, is consistently one of the most valuable franchises in the in the history of sports. And so, why wouldn't you want to take that opportunity to sell more stuff to more people by, you know, giving pieces of the whole story, right? So having, I don't even remember who some of the Reds. I mean, I try to wipe out all the Yankees players, but you know, so you got. <laughs> Well, they did. They they made a big push back in, I want to say the late. Well, right around the the two thousands era when they signed Hideki Matsui, and then right. they signed From Japan, and they signed. They actually traded for Ichiro, and then they had they right. then they signed Masahiro Tanaka. They really made a big reach to the Japanese market. And if you listen to the Yankees on the radio, sure. one of the innings is actually sponsored by a Japanese beer company, which. 20 years ago, Tay, I don't think they would have had that. No, and and so now you've got the opportunity to sell to a country that's worth $4.7 trillion. So if you've got people, you know, that's buying Yankees hats, you know, you take 1% of Japan, they're buying $20 Yankees hats, it's no wonder the Yankees, you know, make so much money, and that's why, you know, they buy over, you know, price and over, 
you know, aged players, and, and I love that because that's why the Red Sox are going to beat them again this year. Um, so, you know, it's that kind of, you know, uh, intuitive marketing. It's just common sense. So in the United States, you know, we have about 135 multicultural populations, and their purchasing power is $4.2 trillion. It would be behind Japan's economy and ahead of Germany's. Why wouldn't Maine tap into something like that? Why wouldn't we want to sell L.L. Bean shoes to that population or sell our, our uh, bottled water to, those, to that population or sell our gas cards like Wex to that population? If we want to keep Maine's economy growing, we've got to think outside the box and we've got to say that everyone's included and everyone's inclusive. And especially if you want to make money, the more customers you have, you know, the better your business. Tay Chong is in from CEI's Start Smart program. Talk about emerging markets, emerging workforce, and of course, multiculturalism. He actually presented at the last Chamber Breakfast. We'll have more with him coming up. You're listening to The Breakfast Club on Z1055. It's 725 and 18 degrees. This is your local sports flash brought to you by Above and Beyond LLC. Your full service residential and commercial. only local radio station. The sun's up. Cars are rolling. It's almost 20 degrees, so they shouldn't have had too much of a tough time turning over today. Continuing now with Tay Chong. Of course, you remember Tay from the Chamber Breakfast last week. He actually stopped by and visited. This time, we're getting the, the full Tay experience. He's a business counselor at CEI's Start Smart. Talk about multiculturalism and different things here. And, you know... Can you give some examples where Maine's labor force is tightening a little bit? Because I know I've had some folks in here from the Department of Labor. I've had folks in here from uh, the Career Center. And they all tell you Maine's one of those states where people are dying faster than people are being born. And eventually that all catches up. And you've talked a little bit about that, which is why multiculturalism is such a big deal. But you actually gave some some uh, examples uh, before we even went on today, where Maine's labor force you know you get a lot of people getting ready to retire in in different different industries. Absolutely, uh, um, John Doerr is a uh, is is the kind of the statistics expert on labor in the state of Maine, and he helped us with a report that um, we're going to be presenting pretty soon in in um, mid February. But in that report, one of the statistics that really kind of shines is the fact that in the state of Maine in the next 20 years, there's 400,000 people between the ages of 45 and 64, right? So those are high-skilled workers who are in the workforce. They're kind of running the companies and the businesses. There's 400,000 of them. There's only 300,000 people behind them um, from, you know, uh, 24 to 44. So in the next 20 years, we, we're going to have 100,000 fewer skilled workers or 100,000 fewer people um, to run all of our businesses. So what does WEX look like? What does L.L. Bean look like? And you're seeing that kind of shrinkage taking place all over the place, especially when, you know, um, in the next, uh, you know, next 10 years, I believe, uh, one in four Mainers are going to be over the age of 65. And so what we've seen at CEI is we've seen a lot of people from the healthcare industry saying, we need help. We need help trying to figure out how to help the elderly stay at home, um, how to live with dignity and assisted living. We just can't find enough bodies, enough people to take care of them. 
And so my colleague and I, Liz Love, who works in our workforce department, we met with some HR people from the medical field and also from the aging um, agencies. And, uh, you know, one alarming story is that there's a hospital in Midcoast, Maine, where 40% of their nurses are going to retire in the next three to five years. So just, just, just think about that for a minute. Imagine running a hospital with 40% fewer nurses. I mean, that's the kind of crisis that we're facing. And so we can talk about bringing all the kids back to Maine. If you do the math, and Jim Tierney, who's from this area, gave a speech at Bates College last year, said, you can do the math. It just doesn't work. We just need extra bodies. And, you know, I know that in Maine, we don't want to see Massachusetts as an example, but Boston is a great example. Boston is one of the few cities in the Northeast where they've actually seen a population increase. In fact, all of New England is like Maine. We're really old. We're the oldest region in the nation. Our median age is over, over 42. Um, but Boston's population you know, has grown in leaps and bounds because it's embraced multiculturalism and diversity because it realizes it's a global economy. It's no longer just a regional economy. If you go to Boston, you'll see businesses that are, um, you know, that has doing business throughout the world. It's kind of known as the medicine cabinet of the world. It's where the pharmaceutical companies come from, the bio, you know, uh, research companies, the technology companies. And, and because of that, it's selling, you know, research and medical supplies and, and ideas um, throughout the entire world. And, um, and if you look at their workforce, it's incredibly diverse. And in fact, the foreign-born population in Boston has doubled in 20 years. It's over a million people. And, you know, as, as Boston grows, really the, the New England economy grows. And so um, we need to create, you know, kind of a mini Boston in a way. Portland is, is um, only 60,000 people, but according to the, the state chamber and other economists, it makes up half of the state's economy. And with Lewiston and Bangor, it makes up almost 80% of the state's economy. And those places need to grow, and those places need to bring in more people. And they have the opportunity to be magnets for young people to move. Um, and so I, I know that's, that's the, ca- the challenge we have, and we just have to be strategic in how to do that. And, and, I, and I think one of the, the smartest things we can do is, is to create some kind of welcoming initiative. Um, over 60 cities across the country have done that, it's particularly, um, you know, in our own backyard. In fact, Boston and New York were the first two cities to create a welcome initiative to bring in foreign-born people and to keep the people that they have and to, for it to be welcoming for a multicultural population. And you look at their economy, and it shows. It, it works. Tay Chong, business counselor from CEI Start Smart. We'll have more with him coming up. You're listening to The Breakfast Club on Z1055. Lauren Lindsay joins us next hour. Right now, you're listening to The Z. The news continues now on the area's only local radio station. The AccuWeather forecast is coming up next. Yes, that's right. That's the song in the plane commercial, in case you were wondering. That's that's what that is. Tay Chong is in from CEI Start Smart. He's a business counselor over there. He uh, presented at the last chamber breakfast, actually. Talking about quite a few different things here um, in terms of multiculturalism and, and where Maine's labor force is, is tightening up and need to bring more people in. 
Yeah, we've talked about a, a few things here. We we talked about uh, globalization of baseball teams and stuff like that as well. But there are a lot of main businesses that could probably probably benefit from some globalization as well. Absolutely. Um, you know, I don't know if you remember, but back in the '80s, there was this parody called LL Cool J. So um, you know, LL Bean was really popular back then, and all these preppy kids were wearing preppy, you know, LL Bean cool. Uh, jackets and, and shirts, and they were calling themselves LL Cool Bean, right? <laughs> and it's kind of happening with, you know, the whole bean boot stuff. But, you know, if you think about, like, just demographics and what people want, you can be global. So a great example is, um, I think about, there's this example of Adidas shoes. I don't know if you remember Run DMC. They did, uh, you know, a, a big hit of theirs was Walk This Way with Aerosmith. And back in the 80s, there was a, a band manager named, you know, Russell Simmons and his brother, Rev Run, who was one of the members of Run DMC. Um, they were playing in Madison Square Garden. And, you know, you know, every night they, whenever they played in Madison Square Gardens, it would be filled with like 30,000, 40,000 kids to their concerts. And, um, and at that time, back in the 80s, Adidas was at one point the largest shoe company in the world, but it fell behind Nike and Reebok because Nike was signing people like Michael Jordan and all those other people. Bo and Jackson. Bo Jackson, yep. right. And, uh, you know, they had that whole bidding war between, you know, professional, you know, players, baseball and football and basketball. But Adidas kind of didn't jump on the bandwagon. They missed out. They were kind of too late. And, um, and so... Russell Simmons said, well, why don't you, you know, he approached one of the shoe executives from Adidas and said, why don't you come to one of our concerts? And so he said, all right, well, you know, I'll go to a Madison Square Garden and see uh, Run DMC. And so there's this one song where they say, you know, everyone in the audience, show me your Adidas shoes. And so for the first time, this German shoe executive saw 30,000 kids hold up, you know, a pair of Adidas shoes. And then he's like, oh, my God, I totally get it. If 30,000 kids spent $100 on just shoes, you know, that's $3 million, right? Mm -hmm. And you multiply that by 100 cities, you know, that's a $300 million shoe market. Then you throw in, you know, sweatsuits, uh, you throw in hats, you throw mm -hmm. in everything else. And so Run DMC became the first uh, rock band to get a shoe deal. And they did a whole series called My Adidas. So how does how does that relate to Maine? Well, Tommy Hilfiger understood what Russell Simmons was doing. And at that point, Tommy Hilfiger was this small-time fashion designer. I mean, he was pretty big in Manhattan, but he wasn't a Calvin Klein or anything. And in fact, his entire apparel was copying Calvin Klein. And then he said, I'm going to try and cater to the multicultural population. And so he made clothes that is more kind of in line with hip-hop and also with, in tradition with um, uh, Calvin Klein, he went from making almost no sales to $500 million in jeans sales almost overnight. So what can L.L. Bean do? Well, they can design clothes to fit into that. Because really, you know, if you think about L.L. Bean and you think about Calvin Klein or Ralph Lauren, we're really not that far off. I mean, you know, if you've got Oxford shirts and Oxford pants, you know, it's, it's just how you style it and how you market it. And if you can understand that there's a potential market, $4.2 trillion market in the United States, you know, that's the kind of thinking that we need to do to make, 
multiculturalism and economic opportunity. And so you can take something that's global and kind of apply it locally. And so, you know, and I'm hoping that, you know, um, CEI and all the, you know, really smart people that we have at work and towns people can kind of address this problem. And that's, you know, that's, that's what we're trying to do in the state of Maine. How can somebody get a hold of you so they can uh, start working on maybe getting their brand a little bit more, you know, multicultural and, and everything else? Sure, they can call us um, at our office. My phone number is 775-1984. It's a start start hot, um, line, and I'd be happy to talk to them. Or can, they can shoot me an email at tchong, T-C-H-O-N-G, at ceimaine.org. Tay Chong from CEI Maine, talking about the Start Smart program. Again, 775-1984 if you want to get in on what they're doing and uh, get your brand out there a little bit more and come up with some different ideas and some different schemes to get some stuff going. Tay, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Been a pleasure. And Lauren Lindsay will join us next hour as part of our LA's Got Talent series. She's out back getting ready in the green room, sorting out M&Ms and everything. There's not actually any, any M&Ms out there, but I know that's a big thing for some people. Silly. Yeah. <laughs> you listen to The Breakfast Club on the Z. This is your Sports Flash for Monday, January 25th. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.